Welcome to the Beeson Podcast, coming to you from Beeson Divinity School on the campus of Samford University. Now your hosts, Doug Sweeney and Kristen Padilla. Welcome to the Beeson Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Sweeney, here with my co-host, Kristen Padilla, and we are delighted to welcome a cherished Beeson alumnus and good friend to the podcast studio today. We'll ask him about an exciting conference we're co-hosting with him, about his excellent new book published by Baylor University Press, whose new director, by the way, is another Beeson alumnus. And most importantly of all, we'll ask him about his ongoing research at the intersection of science and religion. Kristen, what do you say? Let's dive right in. Will you please tell us more about today's special guest and get our conversation started? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We have with us in the studio today, Dr. Josh Reeves. Dr. Reeves is Assistant Professor of Science and Religion at Samford University's Howard College of Arts and Sciences, Biblical and Religious Studies Department. In that role, he also is the director of Samford Center for Science and Religion. Uh, Dr. Reeves is the author of or co-author of three books, including his newest book, which Doug referenced, Redeeming Expertise, Scientific Trust, and the Future of the Church. And Josh was elected to the International Society for Science and Religion in 2020. Uh, Josh is a graduate of Samford University, Beeson Divinity School, University of Cambridge, and Boston University. Welcome, Dr. Reeves, to the Beeson Podcast. It is very good to be here. Well, I gave a, an impressive bio to our listeners, but we always like to begin knowing a little bit more personal information about you. So can you introduce yourself to our listeners, uh, who you are, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do here at Sanford? Sure. Well, you said my name is Josh. Uh, I grew up in Florida, Central Florida, and so I am a native Floridian, but I've been in Alabama most of my life now. So I've been most, over half my life been in Alabama, which it feels weird to actually say that when you kind of count up the uh, numbers. Uh, so I originally graduated from Sanford, graduated from Beeson. And so it's just such a great pleasure to be back here at Sanford. It's a place that I have so much fondness for, so much investment in, and has invested in me in so many ways. Uh, and so it's great to be here. And so uh, my wife graduated from here. She's a nurse practitioner uh, here in town, and I have uh, two young teenagers, two girls. You have a pretty fascinating career thus far, Josh. And even though academics are used to having guys like you around, probably not many of our listeners know how special your role is here at the university. Tell us a little bit about your academic career so far. Tell us how it's included both study in theology and in science, and how does somebody like you get to be an expert with a job where you're asked to talk about the intersection of science and religion, science and theology, so consistently? I think my academic career has been really guided by my own kind of spiritual journey. You know, I grew up in a Christian household. My family was a little bit of a spiritual seeker, at least my mom was, and so we moved around different denominations, which naturally created a lot of theological questions. But I remember very vividly coming to Sanford thinking, I'm going to understand human nature. And so I'm going to study psychology. I was going to be a psychologist. But we have a very good psychology program here at Sanford. And because of that, it actually is quite limited in the kind of questions that it can answer. It could tell me very definitively about like 
mice in cages going after cheese and operant conditioning and those sorts of things. But the kind of the deep questions I had about human nature were not really being addressed in those classrooms. And so over time, I moved over to theology and started uh, thinking about theology and philosophy and what it means to be human. After graduating from Sanford, I wanted to keep pursuing theology, and so I, I enrolled here at Beeson. And when I was done with Beeson, I didn't feel the call to pastoral ministry. I thought teaching in some capacity at some level would be uh, in my future. And so I still had questions of how to put together the psychology and the theology, how to put them together. And so I eventually found my way to the University of Cambridge in England, and they had a psychology of religion program which allowed me to kind of really think more deeply about those sort of issues. And then from there, I enrolled in kind of a science religion program uh, in my doctorate to kind of think more broadly about how science and religion, or in my case, it's really theology and science is what I'm interested in, how they interact with each other. Uh, and so from there, I just have pursued my own intellectual questions. And I have found that certain places like Sanford have need for people like me because uh, we have great science facilities here. If you come to Sanford, there's Probst Hall. There's really great scientists doing good work here. But we're a Christian university, and we are going to teach the Bible to our undergraduates, and we're going to really try to spiritually form, have spiritual formation for our, our students. And so questions naturally arise. And so that creates kind of a role for people like me to come not to answer people's questions because I don't, I'm not a scientist. I can't answer definitively like how to answer certain problems, but I can be a conversation helper. So that's kind of the way I think about my role. I try to help students and faculty think about options and to have conversations with each other and to kind of enrich our thoughts about uh, particular issues. And so I've been really blessed to be here at Sanford. For many Christians in the pew, science and religion are seem at odds with one another. In your newest book, Redeeming Expertise, you offer a sympathetic account as to why many conservative Christians are skeptical toward mainstream science. You then propose a uniquely Christian defense of taking scientific expertise seriously. So why have conservative Christians been prone to distrust science, and how do you propose Christians move forward in relation to science? I think really the issue that, as I see it, as I kind of argued in the book, is that science today is so complicated. It is so done in specialized centers that we who are not scientists can't really see for ourselves what's going on there. So all our scientific knowledge comes on trust. You know, when I talk about things that I believe in, like atoms and molecules and black holes, you know, I don't have any ability to, to verify if those actually exist in the world. I take that knowledge secondhand from other people. And so that's kind of our intellectual situation that we find ourselves. And in our modern moment where there's a lot of cultural polarization going on, there's natural worries that people have that maybe this knowledge is tainted by naturalism in some way, that people who don't share my values, who don't share my theology are kind of thinking about the world differently. Or maybe it's infected by politics in some ways who don't share my values as well. And so there's natural skepticism that arises that maybe I don't have to trust certain uh, conclusions that scientists raise. And so in the book, I'm not really addressing any particular scientific issue because I, you know, I'm not a scientist, but I think I wanted to take a step back and just think about how do we think about expertise? Does it play a role in our life? How do we assess what a good expert is versus a non-good expert uh, if you don't have that knowledge to assess or do the actual science? And so that's kind of the things that I was thinking about. And 
the conclusion that I drew is that we need experts. The question is not whether to trust experts, it's which experts do you trust? We all need experts in our lives. And so the question is, how do we discern them? How do we find good ones? And that will require discernment about what science can deliver and what science can't deliver in terms of ultimate answers about the world. And I also argue uh, towards the end of the book, we need a stronger church response. We need more Christians in the science, seeing what's going on there and, and kind of having inside knowledge about what is going on in the science. We need institutions that kind of help argue and kind of sift through all the different information that comes in to see what's valuable and what's not valuable. And we need people in the pew to have trust in these Christian institutions to do good work. And so I think there's a role for everybody in thinking about uh, the problem and how do we get good information to people uh, in the pew and to pastors and to other scientists and how do we avoid some of the problems that we uh, encounter in determining what is good knowledge. Seems like there's been a lot of conversation, uh, even the last couple of years, among culture warriors about elitism. And I think probably it's fair to say most regular people in the world, maybe especially most regular people in the United States, maybe uh, most especially of all most evangelical Christians in the United States, have a little bit of an allergy to elitism. Mm -hmm. Help us out with that. Can we be people who trust more helpfully, more thoughtfully, for the benefit of the church, for the benefit of the kingdom of God, in expertise without having to worry too much about becoming snooty elitists or... I mean, it's definitely a worry. And, I, you know, when you are in academia long enough and university long enough, you see people who perhaps are puffed up a little bit too much by their own knowledge and overconfident in the sort of things that they know. But I think we need to make a distinction or argue in the book between... People, everybody has a right to think for themselves. I think God has given us gifts to think for ourselves, but we all have different gifts. And so, you know, Paul argues that we some are the ear, some are the hand. And so if that is true in the, uh, the church, I think it's also true in society that we need other people who have different sort of gifts than I do. And if we have extreme mistrust, then the body won't work, that we won't be able to communicate and use our gifts to uh, mutually help each other. And so I think there is some worry about elitism, but I don't think that should throw out the principle that we need other people to know well about what is true and good in our world. Josh, I would love for you to tell our listeners about the Center for Science and Religion, which you direct. Um, what is its purpose and mission? Um, and can you tell anything? Uh, tell us anything about some of the things that you are doing these days? So it goes back uh, a long way on campus, actually. It was started uh, around 2000 by four different professors who, uh, one was a, like a biologist, one was computer science, uh, different disciplines, but they were devout Christians, and they wanted to know more how to think about the relationship between their own faith and science. And so they started a book group, and that slowly, after five or six years, turned into, well, maybe we should do a center. Maybe we could have something more formally on campus. Uh, and they were able to establish that and apply for uh, some large grants. And one of the grants they got, and so they called me to come administer the grant. So that's really how I came to campus in 2014. And so uh, the, the center has different responsibilities. Um, oftentimes we're called in to 
different classes to talk about certain issues that maybe a professor is dealing with an issue, but they don't have any special knowledge or any special experience talking about that issue, but they think it needs to be addressed. So we, we often t- are called in to talk about these interdisciplinary problems between theology and science or between theology and philosophy. Uh, and so that's one thing that we do. Uh, we apply for grants to help our faculty, especially to uh, connect with the uh, wider world. So uh, we would not help on a science-only grant, but we often help with faith and science grants. That's really what we want to equip our faculty here to kind of think more deeply about their own work um, from a Christian perspective. Uh, we have student groups. Uh, we basically, if there's a conversation about theology and science on campus, we try to be involved in some way. I think is a, a good way to think about what we do. Just as your center recommend resources for the kinds of people who are listening to us right now, who are persuaded by you that they they need to learn more about what the real experts in science are saying, but are worried they don't they don't want to read people who are anti-Christian all the time. They they'd like to have a healthy way of maintaining a traditional Christian faith and just making it more learned and more thoughtful and more aware of what the scientists are saying. Are there some resources that you could recommend to Beeson podcast listeners, you know, thoughtful, traditional Christians who want to do better in your area? Well, one of the problems that you face is that science is so huge and theology is so huge. And so when you zoom out from a large level, you know, you can make very large generalizations that may not apply to your own particular denomination, your own the own your particular issue in science that you want to deal with. And so that's one problem that uh, I encounter a lot. So if you're going to think generally, I tend to like using in my own classes the work by Alistair McGrath, who is the uh, professor of theology and science at Oxford. He's an evangelical Christian, and he has a real gift for breaking down complex science and complex theology into ways that can can wrap your mind around. So as a general principle, I, I kind of uh, recommend uh, McGrath's work. Uh, for particular issues, it really depends on the issue that you want to deal with. And so um, I try to look to Christian universities to find folks who have special knowledge but work in an explicitly Christian environment. That's, ten, that's how I generally tend to think about um, finding good works. But in general, I think I think if you are trying to as a pastor, help help your congregation discern between good knowledge and the limits of science. Um, I, there's two books that I read recently that have really stuck with me in terms of, uh, you know, the kind of work that you think about, you know, weeks later about the kind of the analogies and the, the arguments that are made. Uh, the first one is God in the Dock by C.S. Lewis. I think he has a number of really wonderful science and faith essays in that work that kind of help Christians think about the relationship of science and faith. And he has such a you know, sharp mind, obviously, and such um, powerful analogies in there. So I really uh, would recommend that just in general about, C.S. Lewis is really good about talking about the limits of science in terms of uh, what it, the kind of questions it can't answer. Uh, and one work that I've been reading recently, uh, I haven't finished it all, so may, uh, hopefully that's a good recommendation, but uh, Roger Scruton, who uh, wrote The Soul of the World, 
And the reason why I recommend it is that he does a really wonderful job. It was the Gifford Lectures,、uh, but he is trying to argue for people or lay out for people that when you try to use only scientific language for、uh, human concepts like the mind itself, it just doesn't work.、Uh, I think even C.S. Lewis says in God the Doc, you know, it's one thing to understand your organs of your body. Naturalistically, but when you try to understand the mind naturalistically, the whole enterprise of science collapses in on itself because it just can't explain why we want to do, why we desire what we do. And I think Scruton makes the same sort of argument, saying there's a whole world of human experience where we promise, where we、uh, love, and these sort of things can't be reduced to any sort of pure chemical picture that many people think. Uh, a scientific picture should look like, and so I, I found that to be a really powerful way to talk about the sort of things that science is good at describing, and then the sort of thing, especially with respect to human nature, that science really struggles to describe well. Next month、uh, in January,、uh, the dates are January thirteenth, fourteenth, and fifteenth. You are spearheading a conference at Stanford called "Alone in the Cosmos." Theological anthropology for a scientific age. We would love some of our listeners to come to this conference.、Yes. So I wonder if you can just tell us what what it's about, what、um, attendees can expect to receive,、um, and any details as it relates to registration. The Creation Project is the ultimate kind of originator of the idea of the conference, and they are. It's a project located at the Henry Center at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. They got a large grant from the Templeton Foundation to help evangelicals think more theologically about science, about nature, about creation. How can they approach those subjects from a distinctly evangelical view, but also kind of think about、uh, sort of the problems that science seems to raise for、uh, some sorts of、uh, theological questions? And so that's the work they've been doing for the last five years. And as part of that, they. Asked Beeson to have a faculty reading group, and through that, the last three years we've been reading these works. And I think through that relationship, they asked us to hold a conference on、uh, the role. I think the the subject is theological anthropology, which basically is asking how do we reconcile a theological commitment that we, in some ways, are stewards of creation that God has given a special role to us as humans to kind of a, a scientific picture, which. Lately, has tended to really emphasize that we share similarities with other animals. So,、uh, there's a lot of things that we used to think were distinctly human, like tool use. That、uh, scientists looking at、uh, nature say, "Well, wow, creation is much more amazing than we realized. It can animals can do so much more than we thought." And so, the question is, how do we bring those two、um, differing perspectives, differing intuitions, into conversation with each other? So, we have brought in eight. Christian、uh, thinkers to kind of help us wrestle with this. We have three scientists, three theologians, a philosopher, a, a biblical studies scholar from places like Wheaton, Southeastern Seminary, Calvin, to come help us think about this issue from different perspectives. And so I'm really hoping that you know not everybody's going to agree, but I'm hoping for a robust conversation where. Both science can say something, but also theology can say something to the science, where we can go back and forth. So I think it would be interesting for、uh, anybody interested in theology, but also I think it would be interesting for pastors who have the responsibility of helping shepherd their、uh, flocks into discerning 
views of science to come see um, experts in this area to ask questions, to sit down and eat lunch and dinner and ask questions to help them see what is going on in this conversation so they can use that skill when they go back to their uh, churches to help uh, guide people into a good, healthy relationship with science. Not too much, not too strong in terms of uh, expecting science to over-deliver, but not too let, not too underplaying what science can give us as a gift from God. And so um, I would encourage anybody who's interested to register. The, the early bird rate is January, no, I'm sorry, December 15th. You get an early bird rate, and it's, it's really a cheap registration. We're going to offer three meals. It's going to be great. Uh, and then uh, the closing of registration is January 7th. So if that is something you're interested in, I would encourage to look at uh, Beast and Divinity social media channels because that will be a good place to find uh, the link to register. Josh, one thing we like to do for our listeners on a pretty regular basis is just shine a light on the way God is at work redemptively at Beast and Divinity School and the ways in which God has used people who are part of our larger Beeson family uh, as part of his redeeming work in the world. And so I want to ask you, uh, obviously you've gone on to bigger and better things. Uh, Beeson isn't the only school you've gone to, but it is one school you've gone to, and we're proud to say you're one of our alums. Tell our listeners a little bit about how God used your time here at the seminary uh, in uh, your career, in your family life, in your church life. My time at Beeson was so influential in my life in terms of kind of general orientation towards uh, my academic journey. So I feel very grateful for my time here and the, the people and the professors I got to know. Um, I mean, there's a couple things that I feel like I take away at, that have guided me through my academic journey. I think the first thing that Beeson offered was kind of a, an ethos to think with the tradition rather than being against the tradition. I think a lot of uh, people that I run into in theology and science, um, their inclination is to critique the tradition without first thinking with it. And so I really appreciate kind of the historically grounded view of church history and church theology that really kind of set my intuitions about how to think about these problems. We need to first think with the tradition uh, before we um, want to tinker with any of the uh, problem in light of tinker with the tradition in light of the problems that we uh, face. Another thing that I really took away was kind of the balance of faith-seeking understanding. I think um, sometimes I've seen people, when they study science, um, they often, uh, there's really good, powerful knowledge that you can get from science, but sometimes uh, they, uh, I think, are a little bit overconfident in the ability to stretch that knowledge to cover all the like daily experiences that we encounter in everyday reality. And so I feel like one of the things that Beeson grounded me on was kind of the, the balance of faith and reason. It's always faith-seeking understanding. If it's too much on the understanding side, then you're not going to respect the limits of science. There's so many questions that I think just science can't really answer. Uh, if, you balance, if you go too much on the faith side, then you're not sure which of the theological beliefs should I accept. If it's just, you're just uh, faith alone. And so the, the balance of faith and reason has really uh, kind of been a kind of a guiding intuition that I took from Beeson. Uh, and then the last thing I'd say that Beeson really shaped in me was the connection of worship with study. Um, I think oftentimes in my theological journey, I've seen uh, people who 
think because you study theology all day that it's not how a substitute for your spiritual, personal spiritual development. And I realize here when you worship together and then go to classroom, that combination of realizing that worship comes first, there's a primacy to uh, devotion and to being a Christ follower. And the questions are important, maybe not to being a Christian, but to kind of giving an answer for why you're a Christian. But I think the primacy of worship has been really influential in terms of my my journey through um, different theological programs. Dr. Reeves, we always like to end these podcasts by asking our guests what the Lord has been doing in their lives and teaching them these days as a word of encouragement to our listeners. We're in the season of Advent, and so I, I wonder if you can uh, share with us what God has been teaching you. It, maybe it's related to Advent. It doesn't have to be. Um, but what has God been doing in your life? Well, when you asked me to come on the podcast, this was the first question I have thought of because I've been a long-time listener to this podcast. So I've heard many people answer this question over the years. Um, I think what God has been showing me has been related to my season of my life, uh, which maybe I knew, but uh, until you experience it, it's a little bit hard to put into words. So I think a lot of my prayer life and my search and my prayers to God in my first 20, 30 years, in my 20s, my 30s was, God, where am I going? What do you want me to do? What kind of career? What about family? What about where should we live? All those sorts of questions. And as I approach, you know, I'm 45 now, I'm in middle age, and a lot of those questions in my life have been settled. But then I see, like, you know, I think I'm over halfway of my life at this point. And I see my children are about to go to college. You know, I've had three surgeries in the last year. I can feel the age coming. And it's just a different stage of your life. And I think oftentimes you can know it intellectually that age is coming and age is something. But when you actually experience it, you're, I think your natural desires want to hold on to things as much as possible. And so I think uh, the lesson that I've been really thinking about in the last year uh, that I've been praying about and kind of uh, wrestling and talking with God about has to do with how do you appreciate the gifts that God has given you without holding on too tightly to them? Because I feel like, you know, the natural self wants to hold on pretty tightly to earthly things. Um, no matter how much your your cognitive or your intellectual side tells you, you should just let it go. But it's it's hard to let go sometimes, and so that's been a uh, it's been a learning process over the last year, which I've been grateful for because I think. Uh, the times in my life that I've grown most spiritually have been the times where you're encountering these struggles. And that's been, I think, the the struggles the last year or two. Thanks, Josh. That's a good word. And we're really grateful for this gift of time. Thanks for being with us on the show today. Listeners, you have been hearing Dr. Josh Reeves. He is a professor here at Samford in uh, science and religion. He teaches in our biblical and theological studies department. We are proud to say he is a Beeson alumnus. He's the author of a bunch of things, but the thing we want to commend to you today is his new book called Redeeming Expertise, Scientific Trust, and the Future of the Church, published by Baylor University Press. And we also want to remind you, we have a conference that Josh is spearheading and some of us in Divinity are helping out with in a small way as well. It's coming up next month, January 13 through 15. It's called Alone in the Cosmos, Theological Anthropology for a Scientific Age. You are warmly invited to the conference, and if you do want to come, please register at beesondivinity.com events. 
where you'll find all the information you need. Thank you for being with us. We love you. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Beeson Podcast. Our theme music is written and performed by Advent Birmingham of the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama. Our engineer is Rob Willis. Our announcer is Mike Pascarello. Our co-hosts are Doug Sweeney and myself, Kristen Padilla. Please subscribe to the Beeson Podcast at beesondivinity.com slash podcast or on iTunes.